As, as Ruben said, I get the privilege of, of wrapping up our The Bible Is series today. And I've got some big shoes to fill, right? Uh, the, follow, uh, the previous three sermons uh, were really, really incredible. Uh, they were so insightful and challenging. Uh, and I don't know about you, but I appreciated them hugely. And as Ruben said, it's, it's been quite a while since I've had the opportunity to speak as I was away in the States for the whole month of September, spending time with family and friends, which was really special. Uh, but it is great to be back with you and sharing with you again this morning. Uh, and I've got some big news from my trip away uh, that I'd like to share with you uh, that some of you are already aware of and those that already know were surprised by. And uh, it's, while, it's that while I was away, uh, I made the hard decision to uh, switch back to Apple from Android. Um, I know, I know it's hard to believe, right? And, and for some of my Android brothers out there, uh, it will be hard news to take, and I hope it doesn't detract from what I have to uh, share this morning. Uh, but I did, I did, I made the switch back. Uh, and I know some of you are thinking, uh, I thought Isaac was uh, one of those hardcore Android guys that would never change. Uh, even Jake in the office made the comment that he thought I was the kind of guy that would love to talk about the versatility of my Android device. Um, and he, he's right, I have been that guy. Um, but I have had iPhones before, and uh, every other device in our home is Apple. And to be honest, I really just got sick of uh, the other staff members not being able to Bluetooth pictures and videos to me. Um, so I decided to convert back and, and save me some money by getting one over in the States. Um, and there have been a few annoyances in the transition, uh, but that's all right. Uh, we won't get into those. I'm grateful to have an excellent phone that uh, can't charge as quickly as my old one. But, um, but the reason I, I tell you this, the reason I tell you about this uh, switch and why I transitioned back to Apple uh, is because I also decided to do, uh, try something else. I thought, since I don't have an Android device anymore, I'm not as closely tied to Google. So I wonder could I stop using Google services altogether? And the reason I was considering this, and you may already know this, uh, but if you don't, uh, here's your free non-spiritual lesson for today. Um, if something online is free, you are the product they're selling, right? Your data is what they want, and, and I don't want to get like tinfoil hat about that, um, but that's just the reality of how things like Facebook and Google can be free, right? They're selling your data. And so I thought, rather than giving all of my information to Apple, Google, and Meta, who own Facebook, could I start cutting out the latter two to slow down and have more control over where my information is going? So I thought, I'll begin by replacing Google Search with a privacy-based uh, search engine that doesn't retain my search history to sell. I'll start using Apple Maps instead of Google Maps, uh, and then I'll switch from Gmail to iCloud Mail and slowly cut Google out of my life completely. Uh, but I ran into two problems trying to do this. First of all, there's no good alternative to YouTube, which is a Google product, right? And I probably spend more time watching YouTube than any other streaming service. Uh, but the other problem is when a search engine provider doesn't know everything about you, man, the search results are not as good. They're not as good. Um, I'm no expert on Google's search algorithms, but I did not realize how much of what they show you isn't just based on what you ask, it's also highly based on who you are. They know the sorts of things that you're interested in and what you frequently look for, and so a lot of what they show you is tailor-made for you and your personality. And when that aspect is gone and is taken away, uh, the search results are way less precise. And so switching from Google search has been rough, and I've found myself to be a bit of like a, a recovering addict. Uh, I'll search for what I'm looking for on the privacy search engine, and sometimes I don't quite find what I'm looking for, and so then I'm like, well, maybe just this once. 
Maybe this is once I could Google it. Just one more thing. You know, I'm, I'm looking to buy a new mattress, and I, I want to make sure I'm getting the very best deal. So just this time, I'll, I'll, just, I'll use Google. Uh, but I've already found myself doing that pretty much every other day uh, since I've tried to switch. So I'm not doing great. I'm not doing great. And so I would like to cut uh, using Google out of my life completely. But so far, uh, the alternative hasn't been sufficient. And I, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep it up. And that idea of sufficiency is what we're going to be thinking about this morning. And we're going to be looking at how the Bible is sufficient, which basically means that the Bible has all we need to be equipped for life as followers of Jesus when it's accompanied by the Holy Spirit. That though other resources like other books or podcasts or articles can be helpful in our journey of faith, they aren't a necessity The Bible alone is enough to teach us who God is and who we're meant to be as followers of him. And though both uh, the Bible and Google are sufficient in their own way, they are very different from each other in form and in function. Though today it can be common for us to try to use the Bible the same way we try to use Google as a search engine for answers. And when we do that, we will likely feel that the Bible isn't sufficient. Because it doesn't work like that. But when we learn to utilize the Bible for what it is, we will come to find that it is more than sufficient for our lives as followers of Jesus. And fortunately for us, uh, there's this awesome story in the New Testament where Jesus clarifies for us how to approach the Bible in order to understand it. It's in Luke chapter 24, and it's not necessarily the reason why the story is there, but when you notice it, it can, be a help, it can be real helpful in developing our understanding of how to approach the scriptures in order to understand them truly and utilize them properly. And so where we find ourselves this morning in Luke chapter 24, Jesus has literally just risen from the dead. He's been in the grave for three days, but he overcomes death and he rises again. And on that very same day that he resurrects, he does some sort of cool Jesus teleport thing and he ends up on the road to Emmaus with some of his followers. Uh, But rather than me just tell you the rest of the story, let's read it together and see how it pertains to the sufficiency of Scripture. And so we're going to be starting in verse uh, uh, verse 13 of chapter 24 of Luke. Um, And the verses will be on the screen so you can follow along, but feel free to follow in your Bibles on your devices as well. And this is what it says. It says, That same day, meaning the same day that Jesus resurrected, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their face. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man of Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them, Jesus is alive. 
Some of our men ran out to sea, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the woman had said. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and, uh, and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he was going on, but they begged him, Stay the night with us, since it is getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it, and he gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and at that moment, he disappeared. And we'll stop there. You know, something I really love about the story is Jesus' frustration with these followers. And it could, you know, read as something quite harsh, but if you play it out in your mind, you can start to imagine what might have taken place here. You know, Jesus is talking to these followers, and he's essentially trying to tease out the answer from them. You know, he asks them, what are you, what are you guys discussing? And they're like, haven't you heard the sad news? And he's like, what sad news? And they're like, well, there was this guy, Jesus, who we were hoping was the Messiah, but then he died, so maybe he's just a prophet. And Jesus is like, oh, oh, yeah. And then they're like, but then some of the women from our group were at his tomb this morning, and they say it was empty. And Jesus is like, oh, yeah. And then some of the men went out to, to check to see if his body was gone. And Jesus is like, all right, they might be getting it. But then there's just nothing. They're like, but we're just totally stumped to know. We don't know what that means. Um, you know, they just kind of nothing else after that. And Jesus is like, oh, come on. Come on. You fool. You're so close, you foolish people. I literally told you multiple times before I died that I was going to do that and that I would rise again. Except he doesn't quite say it like that because he's in disguise. Uh, but, you know, I just love how as Cleopas and the other followers of Jesus are piecing things together, there's sort of the story of, well, this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, and we're just totally confused. We don't know. We have no idea how to make sense of this. But, you know, despite the fact that Jesus literally told his disciples at least three times that he would die and resurrect, Jesus makes the claim in this story that heaps of what the prophets wrote made it clear his death would take place. And then he goes all the way back to Moses and through the prophets, which is basically the entire Old Testament, and explains how their writings pointed to the death and resurrection of the Messiah. And what I think is really valuable about that is Jesus doesn't say, oh, there's this one verse in this one place that answers all that. If only you knew it, then you would have this all figured out. No, he claims that it is the story of the Bible as a whole that makes his death and resurrection clear. You know, that if these followers of him are familiar with the whole story of the Bible, then they should have seen this coming. But you see, for the Jews at this time, the focus of the scripture was less about the story being told and more about the rules that needed to be kept. At this time, before Jesus' death and resurrection, the Israelites were still required to live under the Old Testament law, which we can still read today in some of the first five books of the Bible. But the Jews of Jesus' day had really ballooned the law into a much larger thing, making it take up much more room in their lives than it was meant to. So much so, in fact, that they had written new books, expanding and adding new laws they felt were necessary to help properly fulfill the Old Testament law. And so to them, the scriptures were more of a combination of their laws, their history, and some songs to sing and pray, rather than a, a cohesive story pointing toward who the com coming Messiah was and what exactly he would do. They knew the Messiah was coming, and they looked forward to it, but they misunderstood 
or didn't recognize the consistent narrative of the coming Messiah that had been told through the scriptures. And so Jesus, he takes them back through the whole story to help them see it. The Jews had turned the scripture into something it wasn't, and it made it harder for them to truly understand what the scriptures were trying to say. So Jesus takes them back and he says, let's look at this whole story again. And I think that's the first thing I want us to take away today. That if we want to know what the Bible is really trying to tell us, we've got to read the whole thing. We've got to read the whole thing, and we've got to regularly and repeatedly read the whole Bible. I think like the Jews, we often turn the Bible into something it's not. And for us, it is to turn it into an answer book for everything. Kind of like a written out version of Google where we throw in our question and we hope for an answer in return. And you know, throughout my life, I've heard people say the phrase, the Bible has an answer for everything. The Bible has an answer for everything. And though I think I know what people mean by that, and I think they have the right intentions, I don't think that's actually a very helpful way to put it. Because what a statement like that portrays is the idea that this is an answer book. That any time we have a question or a dilemma, we can just open it up and somewhere in there will be the answer to our problem. But the Bible isn't written like that. That's not its purpose. Uh, As the Bible Project put it, with a little extra added, the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus. Made up of various forms of Hebrew meditation literature. And so when we sit and soak it all in... um, and, and let it just speak to us. That's when we are equipped for life as followers of Jesus. It's the whole story of the Bible that is the answer that we are looking for. If we treat it like an answer book, we will likely just get frustrated and confused because we're busy trying to figure out what career path we should follow or where we should live or who to marry. But the Bible doesn't have specific answers for those things. That's not its purpose. And so what do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? What do I mean that it's not an answer book and is a unified story that leads to Jesus? Because, of course, you don't have to read the entire Bible every single day in order to be able to even take one thing away from it, right? I'll often read a passage, and in that passage alone, there is something that challenges me. There is something to think about. There is something to act upon. And so what do I mean that you need to be reading the whole Bible to be equipped for life? Well, if I'm just reading bits and pieces here and there and only reading things like the verse of the day or a topical Bible reading plan, I will likely find a few answers and be challenged by a few things. And those things are good and helpful, but I'm only being shaped and molded by parts of the Bible and not all of it. And over time, I may look more like a puzzle that's missing a few pieces, Right? Because there are parts of the Bible that aren't likely ever going to be the encouraging verse of the day or make it into a reading plan. And so if that's all I'm reading, then I don't know the full story. There are things that might challenge me or mold me and shape me that I will never come across without a full read-through of the Bible. And so instead, great resources like Bible reading plans or the verse of the day should be something that supplement our regular read-through of the Bibles, rather than being the entirety of our Bible reading. For example, uh, for myself, what that has often looked like is in the morning I read my Bible with my breakfast, and during that time I make my way through the entire Bible start to finish. And so right now I'm in the book of Mark, and I'll read through Mark, and then I'll make my way through the next book. And each morning, slowly and surely, I make my way through the whole Bible. And then in the evenings, that's often uh, when I'll read through a Bible plan on the YouVersion Bible app, 
um, about a specific topic that I've been thinking about or that's on my mind. And often me and my wife will do one of those uh, together. And so making, I'm making my way through the Bible in the mornings, but then I also get the opportunity to explore some specific topics too in the evening. Now, there are days where I miss. I don't think I've ever had a perfect score on a plan or any sort of long-term streak, though I, I usually read in my physical Bible in the morning. But slowly and surely, I make my way through the whole thing. And I started this habit when I was 17, uh, and I'm now 27, and I'm only halfway through my fourth entire read-through of the Bible. And so I'm, I'm not in a hurry. Uh, I often don't read a full chapter at a time. I, I just read a section or a complete thought. And my read-through seems to get slower and longer over time. Um, and you know, I'm not doing it for any sorts of, of accolade or recognition, but in hopes that as I continuously do that throughout my life, I will become more and more familiar with the story of the Bible and that its truths would become more of who I am as I sit with it each day and I read it and I dwell on it and I just let it soak in. And I'll tell you, sometimes what I read really blows me away and, and really strengthens my faith, uh, but sometimes it's a bit of a slog. Um, you know, nothing will take the wind out of your sails like hitting the book of Leviticus. Um, you know, it can be a long one, but at the same time, Sometimes things really jump out to me in it, and as I go back and read it again on my next read-through, new things jump out to me uh, that didn't stick out before. In fact, I've preached sermons before out of the book of Leviticus, believe it or not, uh, based on things that God revealed to me in my personal morning reading. And so it's not always going to be the most exciting time, but it's a habit that if you develop it over time, the story of the Bible will be reflected more and more in the decisions you make, in the way you respond to situations and how you carry yourself, how you understand God, the world, and more. You'll slowly and subtly be shaped and molded by the story of the Bible. You know, when we read the Bible like an answer book, it can often be quite frustrating because, as I said earlier, we may have questions like, what career path should I follow? Where should I live? Who should I marry? Or something like that. But the Bible doesn't have specific answers for those sorts of things. But instead, if we take our time getting to know the entire story of the Bible, we become familiar with stories that speak to what following God can look like, what his purpose is for us collectively and as individuals, how God may think or feel about a particular issue, or how we can make God-honoring choices. And so then answering some of those questions we may have may feel a little easier as we have a more rounded uh, understanding of who God is and who we are, and how to go about those scenarios. Or at least we can just have a bit more peace about those questions, even if we aren't totally sure what the answer is. You know, in my continual read-throughs of the Bible, it hasn't given me every answer to every question that I ever have, but I do feel that each time I read through, there are certain topics or areas I feel more confident or sure of than the last time I read through. Or I find myself having a conversation with someone and I feel like I can speak more confidently to the topic being talked about because I'm familiar with a passage that addresses what we're discussing. Uh, even if the passage isn't directly related, right? Over time, you start to learn how to connect some dots and, and make some relatable correlations. And what I find is really cool is sometimes I come to a particular passage and I sort of remember where I was the last time I read through that passage. And it reveals to me how much I've grown or learned since the last time I was there. You know, the Bible is sufficient when we approach it for what it is, which is a unified story that leads to Jesus, that equips us for life as followers of him, accompanied by 
the Holy Spirit. The book is less of a book we come to for panicked, uh, quick answers and more of a book that we naturally learn answers from as we regularly spend time reading through all of it. And the sooner you start, uh, the sooner that can become true for you. You know, do yourself, a, your future self a favor and start regularly reading the scriptures now so you can be equipped for those situations that you would frantically search for an answer for today. You know, the Bible is always sufficient. What it really comes down to is whether or not we are allowing it to be sufficient for us. And I believe if we read through all of it over and over again, we will become more and more familiar with its sufficiency for our lives. We will be able to more confidently declare the Bible is sufficient for my life as we learn who God is and who we are in his unified story that leads to Jesus. So what might the process of making your way through the Bible look like? What are some of the things you could do to make the most of your time through the scriptures? Of course, you know, you could just get a Bible and start reading a bit each day, and that would be enough, because with the help of the Holy Spirit, the scriptures are sufficient. But there are also plenty of excellent resources available to us that can be super helpful, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with making the most of them. And so, if a struggle for you is to form the habit of consistently reading the Bible, then, as mentioned in previous weeks, the YouVersion Bible app is a fantastic option that can be really helpful. They have a plan on there called A Chapter a Day, Reading Through the Bible in Three Years, and they break the plan up into segments. And I, I highly recommend giving that a go. You know, I think uh, the Bible in a year plans are cool, and if you're keen for that, then go for that. Uh, but the amount that you have to cover in a day is fairly hefty. And so if you want a, a more manageable amount to read each day, or like me, you're just keen to have just like one or two things to think about for the day from your reading, uh, then I reckon a plan like this is something worth giving a go. And when you start it, it'll start sending you a reminder notification each day to read it. And you'll also begin to build a daily streak, which is just another little uh, encouragement to keep going. And uh, you can even invite a friend to do it with you. And it gives you the opportunity to write down some of your thoughts after each day that the person you do it with can see. And so you can learn and grow together and keep each other accountable through your reading. And so that could be a good option. If you're looking to form a healthy habit, that's a, a great way to do it. But if, like me, you're keen to know more information about what you're reading, a good option could be to get something like the ESV Study Bible. Uh, it's a bit pricey, uh, but it's definitely like the top dog of study Bibles. Maybe like the, the iPhone of study Bibles. Uh, just, just a relatable illustration. Doesn't mean I believe it. Um, but, but what I love about it is uh, each page will have the passage at the top half, uh, and then the bottom half is filled with all sorts of helpful information about the context, uh, the meaning behind the wording, connections to other places in the scriptures, and more. And, and so what I like to do uh, is each morning I read a chapter or just a section of a, of a chapter, and then I read the study notes below to see if there's anything I didn't pick up on or to help further my understanding of what's going on there. And so if you're keen to know more, a study Bible like that uh, is a great option, or really any other study Bible could be a good option to make the most of your read-throughs. Um, another thing I have found helpful before I start reading a new book of the Bible is to watch Bible Project's overview video of that book of the Bible. You know, it, it can sometimes be uh, easy to get into the middle of a book like one of the prophets and be like, 
I have no idea what's going on here. You know, I don't really understand the context of why the author is saying these sorts of things. And so the Bible Project's overview videos can be a great way to set the scene uh, and get an idea of the overarching purpose of the book. Uh, and they can all be found on YouTube, on Bible Project's YouTube channel, or on their website. Uh, so check those out too if that sounds helpful to you to kind of put some um, framework around what you're reading. Another thing that can also be helpful is to mix up your read-through a bit. For example, I said earlier I'm currently reading through the Gospel of Mark, but I was actually uh, just reading through Jeremiah prior to that. And what I've been doing is, as I read through the major prophets, I have been reading a gospel in between each major prophet. Rather than just doing all four gospels back to back, I've been spacing them out between other books. Uh, plus the major prophets, they can be a bit hard going back to back at times, so it's nice to also balance them out uh, with the teachings of Jesus. And so you may want to switch things up and make your way through in a bit of a different order or something like that. Uh, and again, Bible Project, uh, they have an app that divides the Bible into movements. And so you can read the whole way through paying attention to purposeful design elements of the Bible. And so for my next read-through of the Bible, that's what I, I plan on doing is making my way through that. And you can download Bible Project app on the Apple App Store or on the Play Store. Um, so you may want to give that a go. Uh, they haven't finished their whole journey through. They're just in Deuteronomy at the moment. But over time, they're adding each book and making their way through it. So you might want to give that a try. Uh, give that a try as well. Um, so, you know, th there are many different ways we can make the most of our time in the Scriptures. But what I think is really important is that we are regularly making our way through the entire Bible so we can be shaped and equipped by its entire story. And when we do that, I believe we are allowing the Bible to be truly sufficient for our lives. You know, at the end of our story of, of Jesus and his followers on the road to Emmaus, there's actually a, a couple more verses that I'd love for us to look at as we get ready to wrap up. It says this, um, Jesus, he, he, Jesus, he disappears, and then the followers say this in verse 32, continuing on. It says, They said to each other, Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. You know, when Jesus revealed to them what the scriptures were really pointing to, man, the, the followers of Jesus, they could not get enough. They were so excited, right? Their eyes were opened and their hearts burned within them. They were so stoked about the story of the Bible. You know, the Bible is life-changing. And when we get to know its full story, it's exciting. It's exciting. And I, I made the comment, you know, that sometimes reading the Bible can feel like a bit of a slog. But the reality is, the better I get to know the story of the Bible, the more and more I understand how much those harder books even matter, like the book of Leviticus. And, and the more excited I get about them, you know, the more I see in them that I didn't before, the more exciting they become, because they're all part of that unified story pointing to Jesus. And so I have found that with each read-through, the bits that felt like a bit of a slog before feel less and less so. You know, the Bible is totally sufficient for your life. And when you get to know it through reading all of it, you will come to know that truth for yourself. And you'll know how to face the situations and the questions you come across through the way the entire story of the Bible shapes your understanding and your life. This book is life-changing if we allow it to be. But it's going to take time. It's going to take time, and it's going to take 
dedication. But I personally believe that that time and dedication is worth it and will return far more than we ever put in. I've personally found it to be true for myself. And so as we wrap up now, I'd really encourage each and, one, each and every one of us to start reading through all of it today. Let's pray. Lord, we're so grateful for your word. We're so grateful for how it speaks to us. We're so grateful for how it reveals yourself to us and, and equips us for life. We're actually really grateful, Lord, that it's not just a, an answer book, but um, it's a story that points to Jesus. And, and the way that you put it together and the way that you shaped it, um, it's so intricate and, and amazing that every time we read through it, there's new things to see, there's new things to learn, there's new ways to be shaped and changed and new ways to be challenged. And we're so grateful for that. And so, God, I just pray that you would uh, give us the endurance, the determination to keep spending time in it, to continuously get to know you through it. I pray as we begin the journey of reading through the entire Bible, Lord, that you would uh, yeah, reveal things to us, show things to us, speak to us, um, give us the energy to keep going when we get to bits that feel a bit harder to get through, um, and that we would just be shaped by it. I pray there would be moments where you would just show us how it's shaping us, where maybe we're in a conversation or in a situation and we respond in a way that we don't feel like we, we knew that answer before or, um, you know, or we didn't know what to do for that in the past and just see how the Bible is really um, shaping our lives. We thank you for the privilege we get to spend time in it every Sunday together um, and, and share it collectively. We thank you for all the different ways we get to read it through small groups and alone and, and all the different ways that we can make the most of it. And so, God, I just pray that you would lead us on this journey of, of getting to know you through it. And by going through it, we would be more and more the people you want us to be. Thank you for this time this morning, Lord. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.